Out Minute, the group movie minute podcast where we break down the 2019 Who Done It Knives Out and we talk about one minute of screen time at a time. I'm your host for this week, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, we are breaking down Minute 62, which begins with Ransom defiantly walking away from the police and ends with Jacob squirming that people are talking about him being in the bathroom all night. Well, my guest today was not in the bathroom all night, or maybe she was. I'm not going to pry into her personal life. She's an experienced podcaster and was my guest on yesterday's show, and is going to be my guest today. It's Heidi Bennett. How you doing, I'm Heidi? I'm doing great, and I spent all night sleeping in a bed. <laughs> See, that's that's how I like it. That's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. You're getting it done. You're getting it done. So we talked a little bit about <laughs> foghorn leghorn <laughs> and other things in the last minute uh where we have chris evans as ransom or hugh whichever you want to call him storming past our law enforcement officers and uh, lakeith stanfield is kind of laughs it off trooper wagner who's played by noah sagan who is a, a regular in Ryan Johnson films, including the Star Wars film and Looper, uh, does not seem happy with the whole thing. And Marta is still standing there on the stairway, scared out of her mind. And in strides, uh, in strides Ransom, finds himself sitting down and uh, asks for <laughs> asks for some food, and. Immediately, the dynamics of the family is so clear that he is like a a tidal wave of debaggery <laughs> entering an already tense family situation. I'm glad you said entering because this minute is all about exits and entrances. It's all about when you watch the... Um, the whole scene lay out from the beginning to the very end of this minute. It's, it's fascinating to me at least to just see how many people are moving into place in this minute or moving from one room to another or across um, the scene. I, I, I don't know. I just liked it. It was like a little dance, family dance. This film is cinematic. This film has very cinematic qualities to it, the art direction, the cinematography. But there are elements in this film that feel theatrical in that you could almost imagine Knives Out being a play. And I've seen a couple of Agatha Christie plays in my life, and it's it's usually this thing that someone was killed in this mansion and this person walked and, and the entrances and exits of a particular scene uh, build up the the tension in a theatrical production and 
we talked a little bit in the last minute of how this film seems like it was a lot of fun for the actors. This scene just feels like it was an absolute blast for all the actors because they there's essentially a bunch of humans in a scene in a living room talking at each other and everyone's character is so clearly defined by how they're sitting how they're reacting what they're leaning against how they're dressed and it's so much great character development without just regurgitating the character backstory yeah and speaking of that uh one of my favorite comedic performers ricky lindholm she's playing really against type in that she's a you know a um i would venture to guess <laughs> from following her as a fan of her uh music and seeing and hearing her on many many hours of podcasts as a you know uh not a conservative, you know, is the opposite of this character. And, and it, it was really interesting to see her. And like you said, this body language she, and the way she's dressed, she's like all pulled in with her hair pulled back and, and her uh, legs crossed and her arms almost crossed. And yeah, she's uh, such a different, it's so different. And, and Michael Shannon, the same, you know, he really relishes using that, um, that cane and, and um yeah it, it it is a delight to to see all these people do this and uh see Michael Shannon and you may have come across this information as well did quite a lot of improv in in this minute and upcoming minutes so it's yeah, I, I want to cover because his he has one of the funniest improvs in the whole movie in an upcoming minute. So I'm going to cover that when we when we hit that point. But I will say that more than one article and interview that I did in terms of my homework for this podcast said that Michael Shannon was apparently the funniest guy on the set, mm-hmm. and I love finding out stuff like that because you know he's a a wonderful actor and a multiple Oscar nominee. But he's usually playing heavy roles, like you know, in Revolutionary Road or Shape of Water, or you know, he was the the General Zod in The Man of Steel, so he that super serious villain. So having him play a funny character and a smart ass, not sure I can say that, but you know, a, a, a smart Alec is something that you don't expect him to see. And I and again, all the playing against type, you know creates an interesting sort of jigsaw puzzle for this film him having the cane and his injured foot was apparently a deleted subplot where he said he was uh, fell off a bike but apparently there was like something slightly more sinister but I, I didn't really figure out why it was cut but I think it was because it was one plot point too many in one of the trailers, you see a confrontation scene uh, regarding that and for a couple of shots. So it's obviously it was a deleted scene that made it to the trailer but didn't make it to the, to the feature. But uh, yeah, his, uh, the way he delivers stuff, like saying, it's funny how you <laughs> miss the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. <laughs> and... And the uh, uh, and how Tony Collette tries to say, well, we all mourn in our different ways. 
yeah, speaking of uh, Ricky Lindholm and this him being the funniest person on the set, there is a great Doug Loves Movies podcast, and I'm not sure which one, but if you look up Doug Loves Movies and look for, for one that came out, you know, in 2019, it, it has Ryan Johnson and Ricky, and I forget who else on it. And, and um, they're playing, uh, you know, movie trivia games on the podcast, but most of the conversation is uh, behind the scenes stories about uh, filming Knives Out. And it's a really funny podcast episode. Uh, and they definitely talk a lot about Michael Shannon on it. Too. I want to bring up, that's great. I'm going to definitely check that out. Uh, there's one thing that this scene uh, has that I think I, I, I brought this up in Bull Durham Minute, which is the Movie Minute podcast that I hosted, because they did this like crazy in Bull Durham, and they're doing it here as well. And that is, it understands that there's a difference between ca- uh, character development and character backstory. That a character development doesn't just mean I'm going to regurgitate our history. It's showing the relationships between people in the ways that it would really happen. And the fact that that Ransom sits down basically in the middle of the room. He is the thing that everyone wants to avoid. He is the one thing that won't play nice with everybody. And everyone sort of is united in their, even his parents are united in their frustration with him. And of course, naturally, he just barrels right in the room and sits right down and said, yep, you got to deal with me. And the ways that Michael Shannon throws his digs at him and that Tony Collette tries to make peace and that Don Johnson and, and Jamie Lee Curtis don't embrace their son. They still are distant. They're going, yeah, yeah, we still... Like, they're a little further away. And, of course, um, we see Jacob in the corner just still texting, texting, texting. Uh, It's all the ways that you develop who these characters are without saying, well, Ransom, it's been a while since you've been da-da-da, you know, all these things which, you know, which doesn't really tell us much. Yeah, it reminds me of, I went to a party once and... I sat down in the living room. It was one of those just little kind of house parties where there's just, you know, music blasting and people talking loudly over beers. And I just wasn't in the mood to try to (laughs) compete against the music and carry on a conversation. So I sat down and somebody had put, um, well, now I'm drawing a blank on the name of the film, um, Raising Arizona on, in, in, on television but with the sound off and I'd seen the movie numerous times. So I knew the whole story, but what I recognized was with the sound off, the whole film still works. Like you can tell visually what is going on and follow the story, even with not hearing any dialogue and not having, um, you know, closed captioning or anything on. And, so that's what I like about watching a movie like this, where I like to watch it with the subtitles, watch it with the sound and then turn it off and or turn all of the sound off and just see what the the relationships are simply by these clues, um, by what they're doing physically. And uh, yeah, you could definitely do uh, a lot worse than, <laughs> than this movie um, because everybody's just so in the game. And one last thing I want to 
bring up in this, and I you think that's right in that when you have a film that you can thoroughly enjoy with the sound. I remember I was at my friend Lynn's uh, New Year's Day party. It was kind of like a uh, like a brunch he would have every New Year's after New Year's Eve. We would, you know, you, you, everyone's getting over their hangover. We'd go over to her place in Brooklyn for a really nice sort of brunch and bagels and eggs and everything. It was our first get together of the new year. And there was one year I was just sitting in her living room, scarfing down eggs, and the TV was on, the sound was off, and it was Jaws. And, of course, Jaws is one of my five favorite films of all time, and I know every line of dialogue. And I was sitting next to someone who I had never met before, and I was just filling in the dialogue. <laughs> and he said, I've never... He was just... I was, like, dubbing it. <laughs> and so... And and he was sort of watching me do that, and then realized you're in perfect sync with the dialogue. I know, I know. It's Jaws. That's definitely how I would be with uh, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We did Spinal Tap minute, and uh, but before that, I had already since since the '80s, since it had come out, had that had been a a um, you know a constant rewatch which of course is a little tie into this because Jamie Lee Curtis is married to Christopher Guest who uh, is also in he's also Nigel that's right hey let me just uh, get your take on this what is your thoughts on like the murder mysteries as a whole like as a genre like is, is this I feel like I still I there's several that I like none of them like come to mind like like oh I'm a murder mystery um, fiend, but uh, watching this did make me kind of want to go back and and watch some from I don't know like the seventies, the sixties. I watched that one that came the um, remake of um, Strangers. <laughs> what Strangers on a Train? Oh no, Murder on the Orient Express. Sorry, I was thinking of Strangers on a Train. I've been going on a major. Um, Hitchcock thing right now, crisscross. Um, but uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I guess I'm sort of like would like to be more familiar with the genre. Are there certain films that are some of your favorites? Um, well, I've talked about my love for Columbo and the fact that I've gotten my two sons into Columbo as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I just I love that. I do like the 1974. Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney, mm. um, and when I was uh, when I was younger, my family lived overseas. Uh, we lived in Switzerland because of my dad's job, and we wound up going to a couple of European cities, and one of them was London. And we saw the Mouse Trap, and I don't know if you know what the Mouse Trap is, but that's an Agatha Christie play, mm -hmm. and apparently it ran in London from like the '60s until. 2000 it was like it like ran forever and it's the same play for decades and there was like this rotation of actors who it became kind of a, a status symbol for british actors that they did oh i played this part in the mousetrap i played that part okay and it was a you know, it was it was like this it was there's a mystery in this mansion this this inspector has come in and these the, the murderer is somewhere in this house and and the ending happens and it was the first sort of the first time I'd ever seen the concept of no spoilers 
because there's this wild twist ending to the mousetrap. And they do, they implore, so like, this is such a popular show, but please, please, please keep the mystery secret. It's like this became this sort of implicit, uh, I guess, pact with the audience has with the theater that what makes it so enjoyable for all these generations is people come to see it and try to um, try to figure it out. Oh, and, that's, that's fun, yeah. And I remember I was must have been 10 when I saw it, and I loved that. And we went to see another Agatha Christie play while we were in London called The Cards on the Table. Uh, and so the thing, it's funny, like this film, we mentioned the humor in this, but it also is a mystery. The There are two very famous parodies of murder mysteries, which were Murder by Death, which is the the Neil Simon film where it was, they had the all-star cast and it was a parody. There was like a parody of Sam Spade, a parody of, of, uh, you know, the thin man, all these, these famous sleuths Mm -hmm. here. And then there was of course clue, which was the, the, the comedy based on the, the board game. And I think both of those films don't work because the genre of a, kind of an Agatha Christie style or even a Columbo style murder mystery already has humor in it. It's like when someone did a parody of Scream, it's like, no, Scream already had humor in it. Right. You, you can't do a parody. It's like, I'm going to do a parody of Spinal Tap. Like, no, right. it's, it's, there's humor's already there. It, parody has to be something that needs to, you know, that we, that takes itself too seriously. Like, like uh, airplane disaster films of the seventies. That's why airplane was so brilliant. But, <laughs> Uh, there, there has to. There's. I remembered in both Cards on the Table and in Mousetrap and in Murder on the Orient Express and in Colombo and this film, there's humor built into it that it becomes a parlor. It's essentially you're uh, you're watching a parlor game. You're supposed to be trying to guess. You're supposed to be trying to figure it out. And at the end, it was this in the other room. It was Professor Plum with a candlestick in the conservatory. Oh, I was such a big clue. I, I loved playing that board game oh, as yeah. a kid. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. yeah. I still do. I still do. Yeah. I love I love playing Clue. And that's what and I I the movie the Clue was a was a letdown for me. Um just because it was uh, there's no, there's no need to do this. There's no need to. Yeah, even with Michael McKeon being a part of it, yeah. <laughs> my love is Final Tap. It, it's not one uh, that it's not on my rewatch. Well, one of the reasons well, why that yeah. film's such a, a letdown is the cast of Clue is out is off the charts. Mm-hmm. It's Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, Madeline Kahn, Leslie Ann mm-hmm. Warren, mm-hmm. Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, the guy who is Deputy Hendricks in Jaws. He plays a part. The woman who is Nurse Kelly on Mash. She's in it. And there's like three laughs in the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of people in it, and I mentioned Raising Arizona earlier, um, I just wanted to mention that it was probably revealed during whatever minutes um, M. Emmett Walsh were in. But when he popped up, I was like, oh, Blood Simple. And that is, uh, you know, another um, early, maybe the first... um, that's the first. Coen Brothers. That's their first feature. Was, yeah, was and uh, yeah. So he's in that, and so it was a uh, that felt like a nice little little nod to you know that murder mystery. Right. 
And of course, he has a wonderful cameo in Raising Arizona, talking mm-hmm. about finding a head in the middle of the road. <laughs> well, you know we're off the rails because we're spending more time talking about Raising Arizona and the movie Clue than Knives Out. <laughs> so let's wrap this baby up because we have some great mm-hmm. stuff coming up. So where can people follow you? You can find me at vibrantvisionaries.com for the podcast and for my other previous podcasts and for the other creative stuff I do, you can find all of that at HeidiBennett.com, which is H-E-I-D-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. Wait, did I leave out an N? There's two N's in there. <laughs> H-E-I-D-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. That's what happens when you do it slowly. Sometimes you miss the details. <laughs> I add four, five or six more L's to Sullivan sometimes. So anyway, well, t- check that out. Check me out at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Check out the podcast at Knives Out Minute on Twitter. And follow us as we're coming up for the next minute of Knives Out Minute.